How are you girls doing today? Doing great. How are you ladies doing? Fabulous. I just have a little munchkin who's six months old who's like the teeniest little puppy and she sounds like she's a big old Doberman retriever or Doberman pincher. (laughs) She's interrupted every single one of my important phone calls today and she barks so loud that everybody was like, who is that? That must be such a big dog. It's like, no, she's a little shrimp. She's like a 50-pound golden retriever baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, she seriously does have a voice box on her. You would think that she is like a mastiff over there, but she's just a little little gal. Right? She'd be the Aretha Franklin of dogs if she had a singing voice, I would bet. Mm -hmm. 100%. (laughs) Felt it out. Speaking of, there's a little pup that you can find on the internet called Theo Leo Cappuccino, and he is TLC right now in the middle of quarantine and owned by Jenny Messick, who we have on the podcast today, and she is a financial planner and drops so much good knowledge in this episode. She seriously does, and I just love, love, love her approach to financial planning. She makes it very empowering and she also breaks it down. So it's not this big, giant, intimidating mm-hmm. topic. It's amazing. She's just amazing. And Casey, you were, you were taking notes. Oh my gosh. Yes. In the middle of the interview, I'm like trying to focus on the interview and then I catch myself. I'm literally taking notes on what she's saying. I'm like, okay, save 60. This goes to mortgage, whatever. And I'm like breaking down. I'm like, oh my God, wait, focus. No, come back. Because she's just so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to soak this all in. I'm gonna have to listen back and then take notes. I think that would be more of <laughs> a appropriate time, but <laughs> such a good one. Definitely check it out. And if you guys enjoy it, make sure that you go to flourishcoworking.com. We have a shop and we have in there our money management workshop that we did a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, and we have all of our workshops in there. But this one particularly is two hours in depth talking all about money and Jenny did the workshop with us. So you'll get to hear more from her. You'll have the video of it, all of the take-homes and everything. That was a really, really, really good workshop. Well, let's get into this episode. Here we go. Welcome everyone to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Co-working Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, and inspiring space to co-work, host events, and most importantly, it's an epic community that I just love. It fills my heart so much. And we're growing together, which I love so much. Now virtually through the podcast, our online community, our book club, and so much more. And I'm here today with Lindsay and Casey, if you gals would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I am Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And I am so, so excited for everyone in our audience to hear from Jenny Messick. She's a financial planner. Most of all, though, girls and guys, she is a girl boss. Like she is just such an incredible human. She has amazing family, a wonderful blog called Chocolate and Lace, and she's just 
all-around amazing human, but I'm not going to continue to introduce her. I'll let her introduce herself. Jenny, you want to get started? Hi, Laura. Thank you so much. And Casey and Lindsay, thank you guys so much for having me. I want you to know this is my very first podcast ever. I feel like you're taking my podcast virginity. (laughs) (laughs) We love that. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Um, So thank you so much for the warm welcome. I run a financial planning practice in Center City, Philadelphia, right in the hot of Rittenhouse Square. And I live in Old City with my family and my two daughters and our new pup, Theo. And um, I love helping women and women-owned businesses to gain financial strength. In addition to that, as Laura mentioned, I do run a lifestyle blog that I have a lot of fun with. And it, it really enables me to have a little bit of the best of both worlds. And after all, we can do more than one thing, right? Of course. I absolutely love that. We are so, so excited. And you do so much in terms of helping women, family, and entrepreneurs in financial planning. What initially drew you to that? Sure, sure. So I actually started my career in a much, much different industry. I was in the retail industry and I was a regional director and I oversaw about four to 500 women on my team at, at a few times. And, you know, in working with so many women so closely, I learned that money was something that often dictated their decisions and it was something that constrained them. They felt they couldn't grow because of money. And one thing that really attracted me to the finance industry was a simple opportunity. Out of every 16 advisors, only one is female, only one woman advisor for every 16 advisors in the industry. And so what a completely powerful opportunity to come and aid women in the education of finance where they really need it most. And um, for me, I actually came to our firm when the retail industry started to turn. And I came to our firm as our director of training and development. About a year in, I was responsible for all of the training and development of our under five-year advisors. And we kept seeing more of the same. And this is pretty common in every firm that we would see, you know, just more males join the team. And I continued to see the rich getting richer with not a whole lot of conversations happening for women and not a whole lot of conversations happening with minorities. And being in the city of Philadelphia, women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses are pretty prominent. And so... I remember the day I knocked on my managing partner's door and said, hey, you know, what are your thoughts about me getting licensed? And there wasn't a moment of time that I could have done it faster to offer conversations to those who weren't naturally being offered a conversation and up my own financial education and qualifications so that way I could help others. I love that. I feel like it's so important to have someone that you can look up to sometimes that looks like you and talks like you. It's similar to seeing female superheroes in movies. There's been such a surge of that. And I think it's really healthy because it's amazing to look up to people who feel more like you 
and that empowers you more. And so I think naturally we as women talk about so many different things. We talk about our periods, we talk about waxing, we talk about business and everything. But when they, then when you get into the nitty gritty of money and finances, which feels very personal, and sometimes those conversations and those internal dialogues that we have come from feelings of shame or guilt or splurging too much, it's helpful to be able to have those conversations with a woman who understands similar difficulties and challenges that women have in terms of just being able to speak about money, let alone manage it and take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, you know, I did not come from a place of wealth growing up. And so just being able to show someone and say, hey, turn and look over here. Let me share with you something that you just may have never encountered in your life. You know, we don't get a financial education in the school systems. We don't get it in college. And so really, when is that coming? We we just really learn what either our family has taught us or perhaps it's a spouse or a friend. And so I really wanted to be that girlfriend that could lead other women into elevation around money. I think that that's such a beautiful mission, especially because I, you know, I liked what you said about there is no formal education and schooling about finances because when I graduated college, it's kind of like a rude awakening almost. You're like, oh my gosh, there's a lot to know that I don't know. So I'm curious at like a very basic level, what would be your tips to your clients when you first start working with them in terms of savings and, you know, getting themselves out of debt and things like that? So we always start with where we're at, right? So where we're at and where we want to go. And this can be something that's very specific. It could be very high level, but starting with the goals, what's important to them? So typically in the finance industry, you'll hear a lot about rates of return, um, how we're growing money, how we're being efficient around things like taxes and our vehicles for growth. And all of that is really important. But if it's not aligned super closely with what you want to achieve in life, you know, not only the facts, but the feelings are what really is going to be the motivator to get people to their goals. So whether it's they've always wanted a vacation home or they just want to pay down their student debt, whatever life that they've envisioned for themselves is what we chat about in our first conversation. From there, we talk about budget. What do you have coming into the household? What's going out of the household? Have we examined all of those things? Does it still make sense for your current life? Are these expenses meeting the life that you want to live? If they're not, okay, what do we do about it? Is the income coming in achieving the life that you want to live? If not, okay, well, how do we grow that? And so for everyone, it looks a little bit different. And comprehensive and customized financial planning is something that's very important to me that we're not just looking at one aspect, that we're looking at how everything works together and we're providing clients a real roadmap. And that roadmap will change and grow along the life's changes or heck, even the COVID changes that we're going through right now. A hundred percent. And I think that that's so helpful. It's a very helpful approach because this is how you accomplish anything. Like you start out with the goal and then from there you work backwards to figure out, okay, so then let me evaluate what I have going on now and what 
habits can I form? What changes can I make in order to help me step by step achieve that goal, which is ultimately the purpose and the why behind what I'm doing right now? Right. I would love to know, how do you lead someone through budgeting? Because I know that you talked about this in the workshop and everything that you said so hit home for me. So I would love for you to speak on that for everyone to hear how you can actually implement budgeting and what that looks like on an everyday basis. Sure. So typically when you're meeting with an advisor or a planner, budgeting isn't typically a part of the initial conversation because you're meeting this planner with your budget intact. But the reality is, and especially for women, because money is so intimidating and depending on what life stage you're at, this might be an area that's a little bit overwhelming, especially if there's debt, whether it be student loans, credit cards, we don't want to look at it, right? So the first step is really owning the truth. What is your current reality? And sometimes the reality is a lot cleaner than others. Sometimes there's things that we have to dig for. So whether it just be a little bit of motivation or empowerment for them to pick up the phone and make the calls and get all of their accounts in one place, or we're going through budget one-on-one, it's just what are the expenses and what is it discretionary? What is it fixed? So a fixed is what's a must-have. These are things like food, shelter, water, um, things that we need for life and discretionary or things from your Netflix subscription to um, how many times you eat out. And the goal through going through some budgeting exercises isn't necessarily to be frugal or to cut every single discretionary expense. It's finding that balance towards saving for the future and planning for the future while still enjoying life today. And in one of the ways I do this is, is I really work both instinctually and with a client to assess their behaviors. Budgeting comes down to behaviors. And I find that when you try to work against someone's grain, how they're naturally wired, you're going to have a really hard time sticking to a budget that you don't want to stick to. It's like anything else. It's like if you don't really want to go to the gym and you'd rather sit on the couch and eat Oreos like I do some days, <laughs> then you're not going to all of a sudden save money, right? So identifying budgeting behaviors and savings behaviors for me is all about do I need to help them create a behavior Are they already a good saver and I need to help them maintain that behavior or do we need to change a behavior? Is it dollars that is suddenly not being funded into something like a daycare bill? Now the child is out of daycare and now you can reallocate those funds somewhere else. I think that that's so helpful. And what are some good spending and saving behaviors that people can implement? Sure. So for a great rule of thumb, we try to stick to the 60-20-20 rule. And what that is, is that of the total income that you have coming in a month, 60% will go to your fixed expenses, 20% will go to your discretionary expenses, and 20% will go to your savings. And included in that savings can be, you know, your cash savings, your retirement accounts, it could be your investments, but any type of vehicles for you to save and grow money would be included in your 20% savings. Now, sometimes this is easier said than done. It may be a case that 
you as an individual can't get to that 20% right away. And that's okay. It's about incremental growth and just starting the consistent behaviors towards savings. So a great way to do this is using a way to automate. There's so many online apps and tools that you can use, but anytime that you can automate the behavior and not have to think about manually moving money around, the better our people are. And once you've done that behavior for three months and you're feeling a little bit more comfortable on your budget, then you can increase that amount. So even if it's a small savings, just start saving is super important. I love that. And one thing that people can do that is something that I've utilized for a long time and now Lindsay utilizes is you can actually ask your employer to pay you into multiple accounts. And so when I was working for someone else, and I still do this to myself personally, is I pay myself into two separate accounts. One is for mortgage payments and then another is for my checking account. And so I'll pay double my mortgage into a bank account for my mortgage so that when I can make those payments, then I am saving up to put additional payments down to minimize that loan, reducing the principal. And then Lindsay's done that similarly working for us asking us to put it into multiple different accounts as well. So, you know, creating those automations you can do within your own accounts, but then also feel comfortable asking your employer to do that as well by paying you into separate accounts. Yeah. It's a simple sign of a form, right? Exactly. And Mm -hmm. I think just kind of taking a money minute at the beginning of each month and looking at your accounts and saying, do I like where everything is going? Does this make sense? Is it easy for me to manage? And most importantly, does this feel good, right? Is is really important. That's great, Laura. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and you can do the same thing with any retirement savings accounts, contributions that you'd like to do as well. I like that you said take a monthly money minute, which is really important because I think as women, there tends to be a bit of stress and avoidance, and and men too probably, right? We like to keep ourselves in the dark. We don't like to check our bank account or, you know, peek under the hood or see how much we've been spending. How do you recommend that people get into the habit of taking a monthly money minute to check on their finances? Yeah. So one way in which I actually think we should be doing it not only monthly, but daily (laughs) is find a social account that you really enjoy, right? So whether it's the financial diet, whether it's boss babe, whether it's flourish Westchester, find something that motivates you. That's going to keep you empowered to stick with it and to keep checking. And then logistically, the best way to do it is have everything on your phone. So whether you're using an app like Mint um, or you're using your banking app, routinely every single day I check my bank account. And whether it's to see how much I spent on coffee (laughs) or how much I didn't spend, it's just a great way to get into the habit. Then as far as monthly goes, you want to schedule out time for yourself So look at your finances at least once a month, if not monthly, then quarterly. Are you sticking to the budgets that you sent out for yourself? Are you going over? If so, why? If you need to scale back, are your accounts growing in the way that they would like to? 
And this is simple things from even you didn't realize that you had a business checking that charges you $10 every month to, you know, checking in on how your accounts are growing. And so just being in the know and having all of that information at the tip of your fingers, it's easier than ever now with your smartphone. It's definitely the best way to do it. And it, hey, if you're old school and you have a written planner like I do, or you love to journal, just again, go with your grain to continue those behaviors that's going to work for you. That's amazing. And I have an alert that goes to a text every time that there's a transaction. So anytime that there's a transaction, it sends me a text notification that something happened. And that's been helpful not just to continue to monitor my own use, but also to prevent fraud. And so as you're going through all of your financial statements, look also to make sure that there hasn't been any fraud because there's been two instances of fraud in my account in the last year to the extent that I had to shut down all of my bank accounts and open back up, which was a nightmare. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now is the time to run your credit report, right? And and check that out. Um, At least do it once a year. But no, I think that's absolutely fantastic that you do that. And definitely one of the biggest threats that we're seeing right now is online security. So just, just staying on top of everything you have is super important. I really like what you said about, you know, changing behaviors and not going necessarily against the grain for your clients and stuff like that. Cause I think it is intimidating for people. And when people think about saving, they think, you know, it's not necessarily the most fun thing to do because, you know, it's more fun to buy whatever you want, but I'm curious, does that look like, you know, if you have a client that's buying coffee every day, are you suggesting to them maybe make coffee at home two days, three days a week, just like little tips like that? Sometimes. So it's, it's not about necessarily restricting the things that make you happy. It's not as detailed as we're looking at coffee transactions, right? I love coffee. So I spend a lot on coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do think that you have to find the accountability in a way that it's well received for you. So something that I'll say to clients is use me in a way that works for you. If you want to touch base quarterly, let's do that. If you want to have a quick check-in once a month, let's do that. And this is after we've already put some roadmaps in place and we've been working together for a while now, right? Another great tactic is to find an accountability buddy. And that's typically not someone that's a spouse or a significant other, anyone that's going to make you feel um, like, oosh, like I don't want to tell so-and-so that I spent this. But more so on the other side to get excited about your savings, get excited about the way that you're growing. And one of the things that I don't feel that women do are we don't go out for cocktails and talk about how much are in our bank accounts and how we're growing and that we're afraid of the debt that's climbing or we can't wait to pay down our student loans. These aren't sexy topics that we tend to talk about. But to Laura's point earlier, we talk about everything else under the sun. So how are we empowering each other to grow and elevate when it comes to our finances? Yeah, it's almost like financials is like this taboo topic. So we had an episode, and I think it was episode three, where we episode three, yeah, where we talked about all of our financials for Flourish as from like a business standpoint, 
And so many people were like, thank you, thank you, thank you for being open and honest. And this is what people need to be talking about. Like, this is really what I needed to hear. And sometimes it's like, yeah, you're not the only one who's like trying to figure all this out because it is a lot to figure out. So I think that it's awesome that that's a a message of yours that we just have to keep talking about it. Totally, totally. Because you're right. You know, we have everyone's situation is different, but in general, Americans don't have unique problems. There's too much student loan debt. There's a lot of debt in general. Most people in America are going through the same thing, especially right now. You know, most people have lost jobs. Most people have lost income. A lot of people have been furloughed for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, if not longer. And there's a lot of unknowns. And that's something that is a little bit anxiety driven with money is that when we don't know where our next paycheck is coming from or how we're going to pay off, whether it's the mortgage or the car loan or the student loan debt, you know, how we're going to pay that down. But rather than put on a pair of rose colored glasses, it's important that we're talking about it and empowering each other through it because we're, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think even for myself, like it becomes an emotional topic for me personally, like with my personal finances, because of the fact that like, not that I bottle it up purposefully, but more so it's like, oh, shoot, like this is going on. I need to get on top of this. And then I'm like, super, super mindful about it. And it's like at the forefront, and I'm checking my bank account and making sure that I'm doing the right things that I need to be doing, that I'm still on track. And because of the fact that like, I'm putting so much pressure on my shoulders to figure it out, It's like when something bad happens, it's very emotional for me. Mm -hmm. But I think that what would help is if I'm just like talking it through, like I would talk through with everyone. So I feel like this is becoming a (laughs) realization for me that I just need to talk about my financials more with more with other people. Like I do all of my problems, not to say that financials need to be a problem, but I feel like it would definitely relieve that stress on my shoulders if I were constantly talking about it with someone else. Versus just like keeping it all bottled up in my head that like, I need to keep calculating and I need to keep monitoring. Right? Yeah. Lindsay, you bring up a great point. And women especially really are challenged with scarcity mentality around money. And what I mean by that is that it's commonly, you know, how do I cover my cost of living? Or how do I cover my next set of bills? And where we need to shift as women is from scarcity around money to abundance, right? And, and I know this is something that the three of you always talk about is mindset. Um, you know, how are we open to and planning for and receiving the million dollars, right? How, how do we get that million dollars or higher? And I think that that is just in not only it starts in our thinking but the conversations that we're having with ourselves as well as our friends. So some of my very first conversations with clients, really, we don't get into the budgets and the assets and the liabilities. Sometimes I say the goal of today is to bring your anxiety from way up here to just a little bit lower. And that's totally okay. It's like being a financial therapist, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very important job to have. (laughs) 
I love to talk with my girlfriends about money. We share openly about how much we make. I love to do promotion parties where I take my girlfriends out to dinner or something like that to celebrate someone's achievements in their career. And I so agree with you that mindset is everything and changing it from, you know, scarcity mindset to abundance. And I would even challenge every single person listening right now, if you have a goal with money, make it bigger. Your goal should scare you. Don't worry about the how. Just continue each day to build faith in your dream. I write every single day at the top of my 10 dreams, one, I am a billionaire. That's my top dream. And that's what I write at the top of my dreams every single day. And each day I build faith in that dream. And I think that's really important as you're thinking about money to start building faith in a dream bigger than you can imagine. And she said billionaire with a B. (laughs) (laughs) It'll happen. And I think for females, because that doesn't make you, um, what's that word? Not like narcissistic, but okay, cool. Let's just use that word, narcissistic. But it doesn't make you narcissistic just because you want to make money, because it's not necessarily like the dollar bills that is what matters. It's more so the meaning behind that. So if Laura makes billion dollars, then it's not just because she has a lot of money in her bank account, then it's because of all the things that she gets to do. Like she gets to have a team of 20 people and she gets to impact this many people because she's building three other businesses, you know? So I think that with financials, it's always important to come down to like your why And for Jenny, I love that your first meeting with your clients is all about that. It's about your goals and it's about the why and it's the purpose that's driving it. And I have to ask, so after you're excited and having these epic conversations with your girlfriends and you're changing your mindset from going from scarcity to abundance and dreaming of goals bigger than you could ever imagine, it's super helpful to get people on your team who are aligned with those dreams, who are directing yourself. And that's really truly what a financial advisor is and what a financial advisor does. They are in your corner. They're at bat with you, directing you. So Jenny, as a financial advisor, what are some things that people should think about as they're thinking of who they want to be their financial advisor? What are some questions they should ask? Or if you were sitting in their shoes, what would you be looking for? Yeah. So I think the first thing to ask yourself, whether you've started working with someone or you haven't yet, the people that you're encountering or you've worked with, do you actually like them? Are they likable? Are they someone that you know you you trust? Most importantly, you trust their guidance. And when you see their name pop up on your cell phone or across your inbox, are you like, "Oh, I'm so happy to hear from this person"? Are you like, "Oh, I'm definitely not going to talk to them today. I'm going to put this aside and I'll email them back after the weekend." <laughs> so you know, just just. A fit. A fit is super, super important that your advisor or your planner is aligned with what you want to achieve, that they're listening to you, and that they are doing their job and due diligence by sharing with you all of the things that you need to know, even if you don't like these things. But at the end of the day, they are working with you to implement steps that's going to help you achieve the dreams and the goals that you want to accomplish. 
The next thing I would say is, is make sure you have someone that's licensed. There's a lot of misuse around the word coach these days. And coaches are an incredibly important thing when it comes to money, illegal, anything like that. You want to be incredibly sure that you have someone licensed. And a lot of people on the internet who talk about money aren't necessarily licensed to do so. So having someone with the right credentials is really important. And then lastly, what's their communication style? Are they there for you? Are they responsive? Have you not heard from them in over a year? Have you heard from them through this COVID crisis? I mean, if you have an advisor and you haven't yet, that's a little bit telling. And are they in line with your communication style and, and meeting your needs? And so I'd say that that really encompasses all the right things. Um, as far as a skill set, any reputable firm or individual will be able to deliver those things for you. But you want to ensure that they're closely aligned with what you're trying to accomplish and that you're feeling really good and excited about the steps that you're taking together. I love that. I think that's such incredible advice. And we've talked so much about money, which I love, but that's truly just one facet of who you are. So if we can rewind several months, I want to take us back to, I reached out to you, Jenny, and invited you to the soiree. And the soiree is a monthly dinner that I host of epic, amazing women who I want to get to know better. And Jenny, you truly stood out to me as someone who I wanted to know. And I invited you to the soiree. Of course, we had never met before, so I have a question. (laughs) What did you think coming into that, the soiree? And then what did you think having left the soiree? Yeah, I love it. So for me, Anyone that reaches out to people that they don't know to get connected is huge because I feel like there's a slim number of people, especially women, that will reach out to someone that they don't know and say, hey, let's be friends or hey, I'd like to invite you here. Right. And so I'm very grateful to this little world of social media that we live in that helps enable us to do so. And Laura, I think the world of you for that, you know, and that speaks to your confidence and your generosity. And she had this beautiful evening with a delicious meal. I'm still dreaming of that delicious shepherd's pie. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was so good. Oh my gosh, that shepherd's pie was delicious. (laughs) And the house was warm and it just felt super welcoming. And I think those are all great starts to it in real life, right? Hashtag IRL relationship is how cool is it that someone from, you know, a different county in the Philadelphia area reaches out and says, Hey, come have dinner with me. Like that is just incredibly, incredibly cool. And how can you say no to that? <laughs> not oh, only did, I love that. I know, not only did I meet you, Laura, but I also got to meet other great women in various industries that night got to meet your pup. And I think that's just just super special that you're offering that up as a place to connect and and grow with other women. You know, walking away with the, the second part of your question was I just thought all good things. You know, I have to get to know her more. How can I learn and grow with her and her tribe, right? And being connected and staying connected is really what gets people to 
where they want to be. I'm sure you guys have heard you're a reflection of the top five people you spend the most time with, right? And you have to be super selective about who you're spending time with, who's in who's in your circle and how you're growing as all of that energy can either hold you where you are or help you grow. I think that's such great advice. I love that. And it was actually something that I was just talking about with Laura today. I was like, everyone needs to choose who they fit with because it just protects your energy. I love that. I think finding a female community is so super important too. And I mean, you have your own community as well online through your blog, Chocolate and Lace, and your Instagram at Jenny Messick. I'm curious, you do so much. You have your, you know, nine to five financial practice, and then you have blogging and you're a mom. I want to know, how do you balance it all from an outside perspective? I'm like, she's superwoman, you know? (laughs) Um, I am not by any, any means. You know, so my blog started seven years ago, actually, wow, almost eight years ago now, when I was on my first maternity leave with my daughter stuck in a house with a newborn. And I would bake and I'd take pictures of it and I'd post it on Instagram. (laughs) And so I, I started what was originally a cooking blog, then the internet hit and I turned it into a lifestyle blog. And for me, not only is it a creative outlet where I can... Uh, learn and share through photography, through food, um, through daily inspiration. But it's been the most impactful for me in connecting with other women. And so some of the emails that I'll receive of just how, you know, my transparency around how hard it is to mom have made me cry. Just knowing that you're able to relate to one other person out there, even if it's one, and help them through their own personal journey has been the most impactful. So when I think about it from that perspective, I've built something up that's too far to turn back. It's definitely something that I work at part-time, but from a workload standpoint, I've learned how to automate a number of things from posting tools to you know, just how I scan my Google Analytics and how I make sure that I'm growing. There's a lot more I would like to do with it. But at the same time, each item is within its own capacity, right? So I'm a spouse, I'm a mom, I have a full-time career, I have a blog, and, and that community is really what helps me to keep it going, for it to live another day, because it's so, so special to me. I mean, the internet is saturated with amazing, amazing people out there, bloggers, influencers, um, community leaders. And so for anyone that chooses to follow me, I feel absolutely privileged. So how can I not continue to put out great content? I think that's incredible. And if you haven't followed her on Instagram or seen her blog, you absolutely should. First of all, the food is unbelievably delectable. I season with extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper. Jenny's over there with dill and rosemary and all of the beautiful things, but in such an achievable way. I mean, this isn't Ina Garten, you know, crazy three or four hour recipes. They're very approachable and healthy and wholesome and delicious. So definitely check it out if you haven't. And if you wouldn't mind sharing... 
I know it varies week to week, and I love that you shared some automation that you've done. How much time do you generally put into your brands? Sure. So I probably say anywhere between five and 10 hours a week, which is not a ton. But I must say, probably about 10 years ago, there were several things that I ditched. I do not watch TV. (laughs) I don't have cable. We have Netflix for the girls. And so most of my waking hours are, are pretty productive. And I firmly believe in work smarter, not harder. So when there's something that's tedious or it takes a lot of time, I find a way or a tool in order to be efficient and batch work the things that I'm doing. And and that's on all fronts from how do I pack snacks for my girls on a weekly basis to making sure that the gymnastics outfits are packed every day to, you know, when I'm doing new networking with clients or I'm following up with clients to my personal financial practice to then my blog, you know, most of my posts are automated, but you'll also find me in the DMs very, very often because it's one of my favorite things to do is just to stay connected. Those are some of the the ways in which I stay you know, f- super focused and happy to go into detail about any of the, the social tools I use or things for my blog. Yeah, we'd love to hear them. Do you have some great resources that you use for automation and helping you get things done, working smarter, not harder? Yeah, sure. So I'd say Depending on what your goals are, if your goal is to drive traffic to your blog, one of the really hot things right now, and this isn't anything new, but Pinterest is actually, I hate to say making a comeback, but making a comeback where it's a huge traffic driver. Right now, what people want is something fluffy. They're inundated with news and news about COVID and you know, negative things happening. And Pinterest is their happy place. They want to see those bright, beautiful recipes, the cute, fluffy puppies, the wanderlust on the beaches in Italy. And so people are pinning like crazy. And so something that helped me achieve, I just had a benchmark of 3 million views. Oh my gosh. Tailwind. I use Tailwind and I use Canva. So I use Canva to create my images and I use Tailwind to automatically schedule and upload them. It's a membership. I think it's a $14 a month. There's annual memberships, but pretty cost effective. I spend one hour every single Sunday uploading maybe a hundred or so pins into my queue and then Tailwind disperses them. So you know, the trade-off for that hour and that $14 a month is that I'm getting a lot of traffic to my websites through Pinterest. Instagram, I use Planoly, and I will plan out my posts for the week, but I will also post in real time because Instagram for me is something super personal and I want to be you know, um, respectful to my own wishes and desires and just what I'm feeling. So if I have something scheduled and it's supposed to be this lighthearted recipe, but that day I'm just not feeling it. And I had a hard day with my kids. <laughs> I'll, I'll scratch it and I'll, I'll whine about how hard it is to be stuck in a closet while taking a client meeting. So <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's allowing yourself a little bit of grace with a, a really solid plan. I love that. And for those 100 pins, are those all content that you've created or are those content that 
you are repinning? It's both. But I will say that right now, the Pinterest algorithm is giving more traction to new content. So um, for anyone out there that's focused on Pinterest as part of their strategy, you definitely want to be creating new content right now. An average of 10 pins for each post, which is a lot, those are going to get traction and you'll see the traction actually happening pretty quickly, almost overnight on driving traffic, saves and engagements. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. We're going to have to do a bunch of pins on the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. Your content is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. And you also started sharing more about your professional brand as well on social media, which I think can be almost harder than creating a blog. And I fully respect how much work that takes. But in terms of courage and putting ourselves out there professionally in something that's not as sexy and fun to talk about as puppies and recipes, what gave you the courage to create a professional brand as well on social media? And do you have rules of the road that help you guide yourself in that? Sure. Yeah. So the business I'm in is very high need. Everyone needs help with money, but the demand is not always as high due to some of the things that we talked about, right? Some of the fears, some of the anxieties, Um, Some of these challenges that we're all facing every day really prohibit people from seeking the right help. So while everyone is is sitting at home and and online right now, it's, it's pretty much the best way to engage with people. Now, with that being said, because I'm licensed and I have to adhere to, to many, many compliance codes, there's a lot of information, a lot of details I won't put out there. But I think it's about engaging people and starting a relationship. And so, you know, I know that I'm not for everyone. I recognize that the same person who has me managing their wealth or millions of dollars may not want to also see me cooking in my kitchen and my pajamas on a Sunday morning with my kids. And so I just made a firm decision that if someone is not aligned. That's okay. Right. So in everything I do, I am blessed with the opportunity that I get to choose who I work with. And I think it's really important in terms of sticking to your being authentic with who you are and knowing that not everyone's going to align with you. And that's totally okay. And that was just something that I really had to you know, stand by myself (laughs) in terms of putting yourself out there. I think about the other aspect and which is that I stand for women. I stand for the growth of women. And for me, it's, it's showing that you can do more than one thing. You can have a career in something totally different and a passion in something, you know, quite the opposite. And I think that that's really important because we tend to get put into buckets of what we can and can't do. We tend to be told you have to stay in in this lane, but you don't have to. You can swerve, you can cross, you can get into all the lanes you want as long as you feel good about it and you're proud of the work that you're doing in all aspects every day, you should go for it. I love that. Thank you, Jenny, so much for everything that you've shared 
We're going to ask two more questions. First of all, do you have any resources that you would recommend for someone looking to learn more about their money and building wealth? Yes. So on my website, you could even get there just by going to jennymessick.com. There are tons and tons of resources that you can grow. I also recommend the book Financially Forward by Alexa Von Tobel, as I think it does a great job of talking about managing your money in today's world using technology, which is super important. There's so much education out there, and I think it's just staying relevant to where you're at because it can be overwhelming. And of course, taking along a trusted partner. So whether it be someone that you want to use as your accountability and you learn together or seeking out a professional planner or advisor is a great way to go. Amazing. And where can everyone find you? So on social, my Instagram handle is Jenny underscore Messick. So it's J-E-N-N-Y underscore M-E-A-S-S-I-C-K. You can also find me at JennyMessick.com. And from there, it's a one-stop shop of all of my different websites. It's kind of a choose-where-you-want-to-go site, but all of my information can be found there. I'm always happy to field questions about any topic in my DMs, or my email is Jenny.Messick at NM.com. Amazing. Well, if you've found this valuable, please DM Jenny. Let her know what you loved. Let her know how much you appreciate her coming onto the podcast and sharing all of her knowledge. We so appreciate all of your time, Jenny. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you so much. So honored to be a part of this podcast. Thank you everyone so, so much for joining us for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on Instagram at Flourish Westchester. You can find me at Laura M. DeFrancesco. You can find me at Sweet Green Soul, Lindsay. And you can find me, Casey, at Casey Flo. And as a thank you to everyone who has rated, reviewed, subscribed to the podcast, if you haven't already, please do so, and we will be eternally grateful to you. As a thank you, we are giving away each episode a full month for free to Flourish Coworking Space in Westchester, in addition to all of our workshops, so our money management workshop, our social media workshop, our business boot camp. If you haven't already, make sure that you get in, rate, review, subscribe, leave your handle as your name when you leave a review or within your review so we can contact you. And thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. sister company. I'm Lardy Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup and the different types of entities all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com and you can also find us on Instagram at 
at Dean Street Law. We provide a lot of free information and always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you everybody for joining us this week. <laughs>